Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of acute limb ischemia found under the cardiovascular section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 61-year-old man presents to the emergency department for severe right lower extremity pain. He has a medical history of hypertension, hyperlipidemia, coronary artery disease requiring drug-eluting stents, and type 2 diabetes mellitus. Physical exam is remarkable for a pale right lower extremity, significant weakness and sensory impairment, and an absent capillary refill. Arterial Dopplers do not reveal an audible pulse. Vascular surgery was consulted for emergent amputation. Let's continue with an introduction to acute limb ischemia. As a general overview, Remember that acute limb ischemia results from impaired blood perfusion to the affected limb. There may be arterial occlusion rather than venous occlusion, which most commonly leads to acute limb ischemia. It results in the six Ps. These are pain, pallor, paresthesias, pulselessness, poikilothermia, and paralysis. Acute limb ischemia is categorized as viable or marginally threatened, immediately threatened, and irreversibly ischemic. For viable or marginally threatened, the pain is typically mild. There are typically no sensory or motor deficits. Capillary refill is normal, and arterial Doppler is audible. For immediately threatened, the pain is severe. The sensory and motor deficits may be mild. Capillary refill may be delayed, and the arterial Doppler is typically absent. For irreversibly ischemic, The pain is variable. The sensory and motor deficits are severe or complete. The capillary refill is absent, and the arterial Doppler is absent. Risk factors for acute limb ischemia include hypertension, hyperlipidemia, diabetes, smoking, and peripheral artery disease. In terms of the etiology, it may be due to atherosclerotic plaques. This may result from progressively occluding atherosclerotic plaques or intraplaque hemorrhage and local hypercoagulability. It may also be due to an artery aneurysm, an artery dissection, thrombophilia, traumatic or iatrogenic arterial injuries, complications of vascular reconstruction, such as from a bypass graft, and arterial or paradoxical embolism. Remember that this may occur from a left ventricular aneurysm after a myocardial infarction. Conditions that are associated include peripheral artery disease and compartment syndrome. In terms of the prognosis, remember that there are improved outcomes with immediate systemic anticoagulation and clot removal. In terms of the presentation, remember that this will present with the six Ps. In terms of further imaging, CT angiography or catheter-based arteriography is indicated in patients with a viably ischemic limb. Transthoracic echocardiograms can be used to confirm cardiac sources of systemic embolism. This is indicated in the abrupt occlusion of major peripheral or visceral arteries and if there is high suspicion of a left ventricular thrombus. In terms of other studies, remember that this is a clinical diagnosis that can be supported by imaging. With regards to the differential, make sure to think about chronic limb ischemia with differentiating factors being that symptoms will be present for more than two weeks. Also think about phlegmasia, with differentiating factors being that there will be lower extremity edema and limb cyanosis. 
In terms of treatment, medical options include systemic anticoagulation, such as unfractionated heparin. This is indicated in all patients with acute limb ischemia. Another option is intraarterial recombinant TPA. This is indicated in patients with viable limb ischemia. Operative options include embolectomy. This is indicated in immediately threatened limb ischemia. Another option is amputation. This is indicated in irreversible limb ischemia. And lastly, complications related to acute limb ischemia include acute renal failure, hyperkalemia, and infection. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to acute limb ischemia, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 67-year-old man presents to the emergency department with sudden onset pain in his right leg that started about four hours ago. He has never experienced this pain before, and it has gradually increased to 10 out of 10 in severity. His right leg is now numb, and he cannot move it. His past medical history is significant for acute coronary syndrome with occlusion of the left main coronary artery two months ago. He currently smokes one pack per day and has a 50-pack year history. His temperature is 98.2 degrees Fahrenheit or 36.8 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 134 over 76. Pulse is 84 beats per minute and respirations are 18 breaths per minute. His right leg is soft, non-edematous, and cool. The right dorsal pedal and posterior tibial pulses are non-palpable. He has no sensation to light touch over the dorsum of his right foot. Passive ankle plantar flexion or dorsiflexion does not increase the pain. Which of the following is the best next step in management? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Compression ultrasonography Choice 2. Echocardiogram Choice 3. Electrocardiogram Choice 4. Exercise ankle brachial index Or Choice 5. Measurement of compartment pressures. The best answer to this question is choice two, echocardiogram. This patient's presentation with sudden onset pain, poikilothermia or cool skin, pulselessness, paresthesia, and paralysis of his right leg in the setting of a recent myocardial infarction is suggestive of acute limb ischemia secondary to thromboembolism from a left ventricular mural thrombus. An echocardiogram would provide direct visualization of the thrombus, revealing the cause of his symptoms. Acute limb ischemia classically presents with the six Ps. These are pain, poikilothermia, pale skin, pulselessness, paresthesias, and or paralysis. It can be caused by a thromboembolism that occludes a lower extremity vessel, such as the common femoral, common iliac, or popliteal artery bifurcations. In patients with the recent myocardial infarction, the involved myocardial tissue becomes hypokinetic or akinetic, which causes stasis of adjacent blood. For example, when the territory of the left anterior descending artery is involved, this leads to hypokinesis of the left ventricle and blood stasis. This can result in a left ventricular mural thrombus. Additionally, the infarcted tissue introduces a structural weakness within the heart muscle, which can cause left ventricular aneurysm formation with consequent blood stasis and thrombus formation. A mural thrombus can be directly visualized on an echocardiogram. The publication by DeWelle et al. 
reviews the formation of left ventricular thrombi after acute myocardial infarction. The authors note that the risk of left ventricular thrombus formation is highest during the first three months after acute myocardial infarction, with thromboembolic events in 2-3% of cases. The authors recommend the use of antithrombotic therapy to prevent embolic complications of left ventricular thrombus. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Compression ultrasonography is used to diagnose deep venous thrombosis, which typically presents with edema and pain of the affected extremity, especially upon foot dorsiflexion. This is called a Homan sign. While an extensive DVT involving a major extremity vein can dramatically increase venous pressures, leading to arterial compression in a condition called phlegmasia cerealia dolens, lower extremity edema would be expected. Choice 3. Electrocardiogram may reveal atrial fibrillation, which can cause atrial thrombus formation with resultant thromboembolism. A left ventricular mural thrombus is a more likely cause of arterial thromboembolism in this patient with the recent history of myocardial infarction. Choice 4. Exercise ankle brachial index is used in the diagnosis of chronic limb ischemia, which is caused by peripheral arterial disease. However, symptoms in chronic limb ischemia have a duration of greater than two weeks. In addition, other findings of peripheral arterial disease would be expected, such as claudication and skin changes, such as ulceration and or shiny and hairless skin. Choice 5. Measurement of compartment pressures is used to diagnose acute compartment syndrome. While acute compartment syndrome causes elevated compartment pressures that can result in arterial compression, leg edema and exquisite pain on passive stretching of the affected extremity would be expected. Finally, a bullet summary. Thromboembolism from a left ventricular mural thrombus should be suspected in a patient with signs of acute limb ischemia and a recent myocardial infarction, and an echocardiogram can be performed to confirm the diagnosis. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 58-year-old man presents to the emergency department for left leg pain and numbness. His symptoms began approximately one hour ago while reading a book at home. He denies any back pain or recent trauma to the back or leg. He has a past medical history of hypertension, hyperlipidemia, type 2 diabetes, and ischemic cardiomyopathy. He has been non-adherent to his medication regimen and does not follow up with his primary care physician. Physical exam is notable for 4 out of 5 strength in the left lower extremity and a mild but notable decrease to light touch sensation. There is a delayed capillary refill in the left lower extremity but normal in the right lower extremity. Arterial Doppler in the left lower extremity does not produce an audible pulse up to the left popliteal artery. In addition to intravenous unfractionated heparin, which of the following is the most appropriate next step in management? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Amputation Choice 2. Solostazole Choice 3. CT angiography Choice 4. Embolectomy Or Choice 5. Intra-arterial alteplase The best answer to this question is choice 4, embolectomy. This patient developed an acutely ischemic limb that led to mild weakness and sensory loss. 
delayed capillary refill, and absent pulses on arterial Doppler. In addition to systemic anticoagulation, such as with intravenous unfractionated heparin, embolectomy is the most appropriate next step in management. An acutely ischemic limb can be divided into three main categories. This would be based on its severity. A viable or marginally threatened limb, an immediately threatened limb, and an irreversibly ischemic limb. Viable or marginally threatened is characterized by mild pain, no motor or sensory deficits, intact capillary refill, and audible pulses on arterial and venous Dopplers. Immediately threatened is characterized by severe pain, mild motor and sensory deficits, delayed capillary refill, and inaudible pulses on arterial but audible venous Dopplers. Irreversibly ischemic is characterized by variable pain, which can be severe or mild, severe motor and sensory deficits, an absent capillary refill, and inaudible pulses on arterial and venous Dopplers. All of these cases should be immediately managed with systemic anticoagulation, such as with infractionated heparin. Embolectomy is indicated in patients with an immediately threatened limb since these patients are at risk of converting into an irreversibly ischemic limb in four to six hours. The patient in this scenario presents with an immediately threatened limb given his mild weakness and sensory loss, delayed capillary refill, and absent pulses on arterial Doppler. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice one, amputation is reserved for patients who developed an irreversibly ischemic limb. Amputation decreases the risk of infection, acute renal failure, and hyperkalemia. Choice 2. Celostazole is a phosphodiesterase 3 inhibitor that is used in patients with intermittent claudication. Celostazole is inappropriate in the clinical setting since the patient requires immediate revascularization with an embolectomy. Choice 3. CT angiography is not appropriate in this clinical setting. Physical exam is sufficient in determining that the patient developed an acutely ischemic limb. CT angiography would delay treatment and increase the risk of progressing to an irreversibly ischemic limb. It would be appropriate in assessing the vasculature if it was unclear if the lower extremity had a pulse or if planning for operative care of vascular claudication. Choice 5. Intraarterial alteplase is a fibrinolytic agent that can be used in a viable or marginally threatened ischemic limb. It is inappropriate in this clinical setting because it may take several hours for alteplase to dissolve the embolus, placing the patient at increased risk of progressing to an irreversibly ischemic limb. Finally, a bullet summary. In addition to systemic anticoagulation, embolectomy is indicated in immediately threatened acute ischemic limbs. That's all for this review about acute limb ischemia. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word 
and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here, on the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast.